Welcome to the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. We are excited to have Dr. Darren Price, Principal of Houston Christian High School in Houston, Texas, as our guest. Welcome, everyone, to the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast. I'm very excited today to have our special guest, Dr. Darren Price from Houston Christian High School. Welcome, Dr. Price. Thanks, David. I'm glad. Thanks for having me today. And I'm David Linevers, the Vice President of the Plexus Foundation. Um, as we, as Darren and I were talking beforehand, I asked him, do you prefer Darren or Dr. Price? He's like, either way goes. So if I use it interchangeably, it's just kind of the way I roll a little bit. But we're really happy you're here today. And, and again, thank you for your time. Um, as, as you've probably seen, we've, we've done a number of podcasts already with Christian um, high schools and heads of schools and principals and leaders. And it's been a lot of fun to learn about their own vision, their own background, and just what those leaders bring to the table in the midst of the, the greater mission of Christian education. Um, so, you know, as part of our conversation today, we'll just have fun talking about that. And I love to kick it off with, tell us about yourself, you know, where you grew up, kind of what brought you to, what kind of your little pathway to Chris, Houston Christian High School. Well, thanks, David. And uh, some would say my my pathway to leadership at Houston Christian is fairly traditional, and others would say it's a bit unusual. So um, I, I grew up in High Point, North Carolina, uh, very famous, well-known as the furniture capital of the world. Um, people would come from all over the world to get furniture, still do. And uh, that's a it's a neat smaller town uh, right next to Greensboro, right in the middle of North Carolina, close to the mountains, close to the beach. Um, I grew up there and uh, spent my whole life there, went to the University of North Carolina. I'm an avid Tar Heel basketball fan, um, love, love sports, uh, pick a love of Tar Heel. Right? Not a UNC fan this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a UNC fan every year. So That's awesome. Well, I just have to say one of my colleagues, uh, Brad Johnson, he went to UNC. He works at Plexus and he, all UNC all the time. So you'd have a good friend there, too. <laughs> I have my my Carolina coffee cup that goes everywhere with me in the mornings, and I don't have to put my name on it. It's easily identifiable, so it's fantastic. But uh, graduated from college, I uh, really felt during um, my time at, at UNC Chapel Hill that uh, God was calling me to education and switched my major around a bit and pursued education, um, went back to where I uh, went to high school at Wesleyan Academy and taught for a couple of years, taught history. I was a history teacher and a basketball coach for a couple of years. And okay. uh, my principal wanted to hire me and he's a fantastic, fantastic uh, gentleman who just retired this year. And um, from there, I, I had the, I knew I wanted to go into leadership from, from the beginning, really from college. I knew I wanted to go into school leadership. That was where I felt God calling me as what I felt my giftings were. And as I, uh, started teaching. I had the opera. I actually had a friend turn out, turned down a job overseas, and um, they had a it was a part time administrative position and a part time teaching position, and they had a position that also fit my wife, who is an elementary school teacher. And um, so we just kind of made the decision. We were young and made the decision we'd go overseas, and thought, oh, this is a you know a couple years, two to four years. We'll see how it goes. Um, and went overseas and went to South Korea and started working in Christian international schools. And we ended up being there for 10 years. Um, went just the two of us, uh, came back five of us. Uh, I have three kids, um, all who are great, uh, two daughters and my son, and they are uh, fantastic. And so really value that time overseas. And I would say that that 
10 years overseas was really foundational for me. And I think everything that I've really done in my career that has brought me back to Houston Christian, um, a lot of it stems from the experiences and the training um, and the mentors that I had during that time in South Korea. I love that you were in Korea. I mean, that's, first of all, it's an incredible country. I haven't been there, but if many people visited and worked with different schools over there, were you, did you become fluent in Korean as well while you were there? Uh, I did not. Um, Korean is, uh, there's some parts of it that are easy to learn and there's some parts that are very challenging um, and uh, it requires intentional study. We we all spoke English and everyone wanted to speak English with me um, and our family. Um, I know enough to get around and I can impress you from the airport to the grocery store, but uh, that's that's about <laughs> as far as my, I can't have a conversation, I'm afraid. So, but we had folks there that the, the Korean people are so kind. Um, they're the hardest working uh, most amazing people I think that I've seen. Um, uh, they're different cultures have different characteristics, but I really uh, res- have great respect and great friendships with some of the Koreans that we lived with while we were there. Really, uh, really cared for the expats um, and grateful mm-hmm. that, that we were there and really made us feel welcome uh, during our time there. I, I love that. I mean, to have that kind of connection international and lifelong friendships, that's it's an amazing gift to be able to carry with you throughout the rest of your life. The, I wanted to add a note when I worked at Fuller Seminary for many years, we had a Korean doctor of ministry program. And every morning at 5 a.m., the, the pastors and the leaders of the Korean churches from Korea and the U.S. would be praying for hours. And it was amazing, the commitment, the dedication. I mean, the whole campus felt it, too. You, could, you knew what was going on. Uh, and just an amazing bunch of men and women and those leaders and what they would do. So they're all in when it comes to their, when they are committed, they are committed and they are, they are in. And it's, you see that in some of their missionary endeavors as well. Um, mm-hmm. They, they are, really have become a sending church uh, in Korea. And it, it's, it's phenomenal how God has used um, their faith and just um, the, the, the people that are so committed. That's wonderful to hear. And you were at Contra Costa Christian Schools. I know we chatted a little bit about that right down the street from our headquarters at Flexus. That's pretty neat. So, yeah, after, after spending 10 years in Korea, um, I, I had the opportunity to come back. We decided it was time for us to return to the States, but really didn't know where that was going to take us. Um, just through a different job search uh, opportunities, ended up in California, ended up in Walnut Creek, uh, close to Plexus. And uh and really um, enjoyed my time there. That was for me. It was a, a smaller Christian school, but it's uh, it was really an opportunity for me to develop my leadership and kind of stand on my own two feet. And I would say that you know it was also a situation where um, they needed to make some changes uh, to to modernize and to to move forward and be ready for what was ahead. And I've I've been pleased uh, during my time as well as since I left there. Um, they've really been thriving and, and moving forward. And it's, it's great to see them in that, in that position. It's great to see it grow. Um, now, obviously we're going to fo- focus most of our time like Houston Christian, cause you've been there for geez, over seven years now. Boy, what a ride uh, the seven year itch. Do you have any of that? Or just like, okay. And I didn't I, notice you, know, you guys are looking for a head of school as well. That's going on. I, I have found that whenever I predict I'll be somewhere for a short amount of time, I end up being there for a long amount of time. And whenever I think I'm going to be there for a long time, I don't end up there very long. Um, I feel like God has a sense of humor in that. So I noticed that they're looking for a new head of school at Houston Christian on the website. 
there's a search committee right now. Um, it sounds like the the prior head of school was amazing. I mean, everyone just the note in the letter. Um, I know you report up what through the head of school and into the board. Tell us a little bit about that. I do. So uh, I report to the head of school, and uh, Dr. Livingston has been at Houston Christian for. Uh, well, we'll be, the school will be celebrating its 25th year next year, so we're looking forward to a great year of celebrations and enjoying um, what God has done, and it really is phenomenal. Uh, we are so blessed with the facilities that we have here, the programs that we have here. I mean, we have really, uh, I believe, come into our own as a thriving school. Um, I think mm-hmm. that we are, in our community, we are, uh, I think, well-respected in terms of our academics, in terms of our our. Uh, theater program, our athletic program, um, a different everything that we offer. I, I feel like we do. We seek to do it with excellence, and we're at a place 25 years in where um, God has blessed that. God has really allowed us uh, to come forward, and Dr. Livingston has really led us in that effort. And very grateful for the leadership that he has provided. He's been here since the beginning, um, and uh, has really uh, stayed the course if you will. Um, and that's, the, that's a commitment to, to be here, um, be an institution for 25 years. It's, it's not something you see a lot in today's world. And so uh, I think the school has really been blessed by his uh, consistency and the foundation of leadership that he's provided uh, in, in joining with the board and, and having a, a coherent, uh, unified mission uh, to move forward. I love that. Do you ever get a chance to interact with the board and him and give presentations and stuff like that too? I, I do on occasion. I, I, I really oversee the academic side of the program and they yeah. do give me a lot of independence and freedom in that, um, which I great, I appreciate, but it, I, I'd like to think that I do well and, and take on that responsibility and show good results uh, from that. Um, but uh, yeah, I interact regularly with the head of school and with the board in terms of of uh, sharing with them what's going on, keeping keeping them informed about what's happening and and taking issues, which obviously uh, there's been a fair number of issues that have come up in recent years um, that they need to address and be uh, proactive and aware of. That's true. I mean, the pandemic, for example, um, you were right in the middle of it. I, you had a number of years experience before it all kicked off, which I'm sure was very helpful. I've talked to some principles who started during the pandemic. I mean, that alone is huge thing. How did you all do? And, um, you know, share a little bit about that. So, you know, the pandemic was a really interesting time for us. And I think, um, honestly, I, I think I had a little bit of an advantage in a couple ways. One, um, I had friends in Asia and in international schools, and there was a lot, lot that was happening internationally before it happened here in the States. And so there were some things that I had talked to my faculty about in January and February um, before things really got crazy. And um, I had given them kind of a heads up that, hey, you need to be thinking about some alternative plans in case because this is this is what's happening in other places. And so I think some of my background and some of my connections helped with that. Um, the other thing that really helped me is I, I've worked hard to build a, a great team and I had great teammates that uh, really helped us devise a plan very quickly. Um, we did go online basically for the fourth quarter um, of the 1920 school year. Um, and then we we came back. Texas was probably one of the states that was earlier on coming back. Um, and we really yeah. tried to get students back on campus. We um, we did take a, a, we tried to really think through what was best for students and put students first. And I saw a lot of schools and, and I, I understand, you know, different schools have different contexts, but they, 
they ran their full day and did it online. And we didn't feel like our students could do that. And so we did ended up doing about um, 50 minute classes online. We normally do 80 minutes and then we gave them independent work to do um, with autonomy on their own. And so it allowed, allowed them not to be as burnt out by the online um, work that they were doing and the additional screen time. And I think that was very effective. And then we, we sort of ramped up in the fall of coming back on campus. And, and we, we had a lot of protocols in place when we came back. We did come back pretty early, um, but we had a lot of social distancing and masking. And that was challenging. Um, it was challenging to, to do that. And I think I was actually listening to a podcast this week. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty big on listening to podcasts. That's where I, I gain a lot of leadership knowledge and hear a lot from others. And, and I think right. uh, one of the things that the, the podcast was commenting on was the social skills that develop in that age 13 to 15 uh, sort of age range and how the impact of that probably is not fully recognized yet. And I, I agree with that. I, I think that that's something we have seen both uh, socially, but also in terms of building culture, we really having to rebuild culture um, even after this year, really trying to reestablish what it means to be a Mustang here at Houston Christian and talk to our kids and, and go back to holding a standard. Uh, I think there's a, there's sort of this um, COVID, COVID lag and it's uh, you know, there's this lack of everybody has grace. Everybody has a personalized uh, situation and holding everyone to a common system, to a standard um, is, is a little bit challenging. And it's not just the kids, it's the adults too. And so really reestablishing what, what it is that we want to accomplish. And we have to, we have to accomplish, establish these benchmarks and establish certain behaviors if we're going to be a school of excellence. And so I know a lot of schools, a lot of my colleagues that I speak to are working on the same thing in reestablishing, you know, sort of baselines and, and behaviors uh, with kids. We're not talking major stuff, but just just the academic behaviors that are lead to success are really important. You know, you raise a really good point. Um, just watching all of my kids, all five of them go through all of this from one graduating high school during the full pandemic, another one towards the tail end, middle schooler, high schoolers, one to enter college. I mean, you name it, they were expanding the whole gamut within education. And it was a huge challenge for them and for us as parents. Sure. So what did, what did Houston Christian do to support the parents through all this? How did you guys manage that and engage them? Well, I, I suppose you'd have to ask them how well we did on it. But overall, <laughs> I think, uh, we, you know, I, we definitely didn't win with everyone. Uh, there was no winning with everyone during the COVID time period, but I, I think we really tried to be transparent and communicate on what we were doing and um, provide as much information as possible. I think in times of uncertainty, providing as much certainty and as much clarity as you can is really helpful. Um, I've definitely reflected a lot on the, the um, I think Brene Brown originated, but the clarity is kindness and really trying to be clear in leadership and communication and really making sure that folks understand not not only what's happening, but why it's happening and um, understand the purpose that and goal that we're trying to accomplish behind it. Makes sense. And if, have you and, and the teachers embraced that even further as you've gone forward? Like, hey, this works. We're going to continue these kinds of things. Like you have to set the standards for the parents. Oh, I, I definitely think, um, you know, ranging from communication to some of the classroom activities and instructional strategies, I, I know many teachers have taken things that 
they found effective during that online pandemic time or, uh, or things that they did in their classrooms as we were coming back and, and spreading students out. There's things that they're taking and, and continuing to implement in modified ways. And so I think there's been a good adoption of things um, yeah. from it, but also, you know, kind of a shifting and, and still, I think we're still in the midst of that. I, I'd love to say we're out of it. I'd love to say that we've, you know, moved past it, but I'm not sure that's totally realistic. And I, and I do think, you know, it's worth commenting um, here. And I know I'm not alone in this perspective. Like there was weight on administrators and there was hard times with administrators during this time, but teachers put in so much, so many hours and just um, it totally changed for them. And not only are the work that they're doing, the hours they're putting in the preparation for lessons, uh, but they're also doing it online and often in people's homes and parents uh, have a new level of transparency and sometimes feedback for them on the, those lessons. And uh, it's just, uh, I, I see, I continue to see teachers sort of recovering from that. And we, we've talked a lot about that, something I've spent some time talking about um, in terms of, of faculty. We, we actually started the year last year uh, talking about just our mindset and, and how we approach things and, and taking a biblical view of that and looking at scripture and, um, and, uh, looking at, you know, how do, how do we change our mentality to, to take advantage of the opportunities ahead of us with students? I, I like that you talked about the teachers. Um, on Tuesday, we, I did a podcast with, uh, Dr. Price from Westside Christian in, um, El Dorado, Arkansas. Um, neat, neat place, interesting experience, kind of like yours. And one of the things he t- talked about, which you just touched on was, the focus on the principal and the leaders investing in the teachers so they can feel fully supported to give to the students. And one of the comments he made is like, you know, we talked about student-centric, student-centric, kid-centric. He's like, the kid-centricness doesn't allow the kids to think differently and build their own sense of self because they're looking for the teachers to be their leaders. You know, so in the midst of supporting your teachers and what you do, um, I know there's faculty development and those kinds of things. What do you do with them on a regular basis to fully support the teachers and help them through everything? Well, I think that's that's an ongoing battle, right? I mean, we're, we're constantly trying to seek ways uh, to support our team and be sensitive. I think, you know, one thing is really just being present and trying to get to know people, uh, get to know mm-hmm. faculty and being being able to recognize where they are. And be responsive to that. I, I try hard to do that. I'm sure that some of my staff would say I'm effective, and I'm sure some would say I'm not. Um, but I try to try to look at where people are and and see, be responsive to that in terms of, you know, whether we're in October or December or, or February, you know, what what is it the teachers need at this time, and, and make appropriate adjustments to that. Um, so I, I think that that's probably a big one. I think you know, really doing anything you, you can to lighten their load. There's some things we've taken on in the office. Uh, it's more work for us, but it, it it lightens teachers' loads, and so we're willing to take it on. And I think that's really important to to be service service minded, uh, servant minded, if you will. Um, and I and I would say that's that's a lot of. I don't know that that's new. Uh, that's not. I think in many ways I refer to COVID as a time of magnification. It magnified things. There's good things it magnified and there's bad things it magnified. If you had certain good things going on in your culture, I, I think it highlighted it. But if you had some yeah. negatives, it, it also highlighted it. And I think the same is true in your classroom instruction. I've seen that across the board. And, and we've talked about that. You know, what 
what did COVID magnify and how do we make it the appropriate adjustments out of that? I love that. that that's very true as far as the magnification. So it's, it's a really good point. You know, um, you know, teachers in the family, educators in my family for years and years, and it's just something near and dear to my heart, especially K through 12 and higher ed. Um, but I, I, I was kind of looking through some of your fun stuff on Facebook and checking out um, the different accomplishments. And I noticed one of the most recent posts was, was it DeAsia Thompson and Long and Johnson adding another championship to the resume? What is that? I was trying to figure out what did they, what were they the champions of? What did they do? So uh, DeAsia and Logan um, are uh, two of our girls basketball players. Um, our girls basketball oh. team had a phenomenal season this year. They were undefeated. Um, which I don't think we've ever done, um, and won our 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 SP, we're in the Southwest Preparatory Conference, won that championship, um, and uh, they're just they were unmatched this year. Um, several of the girls are um, I, pretty much the you know I think the first five is all looking at different college options uh, for playing, and they're nice. just uh, we've been very blessed uh, to have a great team. Um, they're not the only athletic team doing well. Our boys basketball has been very successful the last few years. Um, tennis has had a lot of success. Um, we, we definitely, and, and I would say that we're really working, you know, it's not for us, it's not about winning championships. We, you know, that's great. Every school wants to celebrate that. We want to celebrate uh, our gifts and talents of our, our kids, but Ultimately, we want our students, um, if they're going to go on and pursue college athletics, which we do, we have a pretty high number for our size that go on to play, um, you know, anywhere from Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, some kind of college athletics. We want them to be prepared as people. And, and that's really, I would say, at the heart of everything we do at Houston Christian. We want to see our students prepared for life. Um, it's great if I can send them off prepared for college and a university and they can be successful with their grades. Um, but yeah. to me, we haven't really prepared them to go beyond that and be successful in their career. Then, then we're falling short. And I think that's a huge, huge part of what we do here. We, and I, I may be getting ahead of you a little bit, but you, one of our oh, things, good. Keep going. <laughs> one of our things here at Houston Christian, our, one of our signature programs is leadership. And we really want every student to be engaged in leadership. And so every freshman takes a leadership course, um, leadership and uh, kind of a survey of the Bible, if you will. Um, we put that together and, uh, it, you know, there's, there's dis different parts of that that are distinctive, but it really lays a foundation. And then we have leadership electives that students can take during other years of their high school. Um, we also are very intentional to provide a lot of leadership opportunities for students. So our theater program has really been just unbelievable. Um, Bobby Linhart is our director, and uh, he just does a phenomenal job. He has over 100 students involved in our musical in the spring, and that's a big deal here in Houston. We A lot of schools, uh, there's some, what's called the Tommy Tune Awards, um, and that is among many different schools. And we've had some nominations. We've won uh, different awards here and there. This past year, we did Newsies, and they just got oh, – I they, saw that. I saw they got that a lot of accolades out of that, um, best musical – best director. I mean, and it was well-deserved. I mean, it's a phenomenal show. I have people come and they tell me, I think that's better than the Broadway show. Um, and I, you know, I don't know, I haven't been to the Broadway show, but I mean, it's, it's, it's not your typical high school musical. Uh, I mean, it's a serious production and we really try to give our students that opportunity to experience excellence 
into participating. So even, even within the theater program where we have a hundred and some students involved, we have student leaders all throughout that program, whether it's uh, leading some of the stage work, whether it's uh, student director. I mean, there's all these um, sort of uh, minor, if you will, um, leadership roles that the students have been given that from the outside, you don't necessarily see, but it's really uh, so much of that program gives students the experience of leadership. And we do that through athletic teams, uh, through student clubs and activities, through our student council. There's a lot of opportunities on our campus for students to really experience leadership. And I think that's really important because it's one thing to say, this is a great idea, but you know, it's sort of like I mentioned earlier, when I went to Contra Costa, I wasn't I wasn't sort of a sub leader. I didn't have necessarily someone over me. I was, I was making the decisions and I had to. You were the guy at that point. Like it's on you. It didn't work. It was coming back on my head, on my shoulders. And I had to bear the good, the bad, the ugly of it. And I think for our students to experience that in a low stakes setting and with people that love and care about them and want them to be successful is so huge because so many of them go to a big university and they don't have that personal attention. They don't have that personal mentorship. And so we really try to develop relationships with the adults and the students here on the Houston Christian campus. I mean, I love to hear that investment in the leadership. So the, you know, your vision and engagement with the teachers to foster that kind of leadership, continue that kind of culture. It's huge. Because um, it is life serving in that way. Yeah, we're very blessed. We have uh, what, what is called the George and Barbara Bush Center for Scholars and Leaders here on our campus. Um, okay. And uh, we're, to our knowledge, we're one of the only campuses with a presidential uh, endorsement on our campus, but we have a building that's devoted to that. And we really have two aspects to that program specifically. Uh, one is the scholarship side. We, ha- we, we have um, a, the best way I can equate it, it's not exactly like an honors college, but it's sort of where students do their own original research and learn research skills at a more in-depth level. And then before it's a four-year program and at the end, uh, they're writing their own research and conducting their own research and something that's really important to them, um, something they've really looked into. And then we, we put those uh, theses in a, in a book um, for, for us. And we also want to contribute and be able to, to look at how this helps and what are the implications of this um, depending on what the topic is in a relevant way. So that's one side of the Bush Center. The other side is, is really focused on leadership. And that's where uh, some of the courses that I referenced um, are conducted. We have special events, speakers come in. Mm-hmm. Um, we do provide workshops sometimes for other students, such as middle, middle school students. There's speakers uh, that we provide to the community. There's a variety of things that we run through the Bush Center, uh, but really trying to be- develop both this idea of scholarship and leadership. And, you know, it, it, we also are able to use a lot of examples from the Bushes. They're very big here in Houston um, and, and yeah. also well, very well respected here in Houston across political lines. Um, and we also pull from some of the presidential leadership around George Bush's time um, to that help, I think, help us in working with students. Um, and there's just such, such a rich, so many rich things to pull from. Um, their President Bush's view was very much about servant leadership, and he viewed public service very much as a service yeah. to the community, a service to the country. Um, and that's, you know, regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum, I mean, those are values that that idea of, of thinking about something greater than yourself is so important um, and really ties in neatly with our mission and our, our faith foundation. 
that's just fantastic that you have that and that connection and that influence on our young minds that need it um, from the research side, from the scholarships, from the leadership. I love that. I mean, as a high school to be able to have that support through everything you do, it's just fantastic. Um, you know, you mentioned that the theater arts programs, both of my daughters were theater arts through and through. I mean, orchestra, choir, performances, musical theater, you name it. And we were as engaged and involved. I still have one who's in it as any athletic team. Like you said, sometimes even more with the amount of commitment. I mean, orchestra, pit orchestra, you name it. Like the, similar to probably what you do, every single performance at their high school had a live pit orchestra do the music, which changes everything. It really makes it a true immersive experience. I'm sure you do that as well. We huh? do. Yes, we do. Yeah, we have a lot live musicians and um, during COVID, when one of them comes down with COVID, the the morning uh, before one of the performances, that's you know that that produces a whole new uh, realm of problems to to. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's very true. So you know, switching gears a little bit from students to alumni. Um, well, actually, let me back up just for a second. So your students, do you do concurrent or dual enrollment with them with any local colleges or universities um, with the college track students? We do not uh, do really any dual enrollment. We've had one class that we've offered for a little while, but we, we, are, uh, we do offer AP courses um, okay. and uh, students are able to earn AP credit. Um, we're, we, we've done very well with that, been very successful with our students passing the AP exams. And I would say that, you know, we provide pretty normal range of AP courses and opportunities for students in that. And so that's really their, their avenue toward um, getting uh, college credit. And, and we found that's, yeah. that's really the most effective thing for us at this point. We've not, we've been very reticent to tie ourselves uh, down. We want to do what's best for students. And when you start getting into certain dual enrollment programs, you have to fulfill certain parts of the curriculum, which if we don't feel like that's best for our students, um, we don't want to be locked into that. And so we, we try to maintain some freedom there to be able to really serve our students and our families in the best way possible. Absolutely. I mean, that keeps your culture unique to who you are. Did, um, how many of your students go on to college, like percentage-wise, would you say? 99.9%, uh, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, they, our students aren't coming to us if they're not, you know, pursuing university at the next level. So, I mean, that's always great because, you know, we know people go in different pathways, Um but we know the benefits that college gives you and that kind of education provides you for a lifetime. Um, plus you get to send them out with their mission. You know, you trained them, they've come up well and embraced the, the mission and of the Christian life and like, Hey, let's go, let's keep living this and engaging. I think it's easy to look at your top student and, and you know, say, are they ready? Are they prepared? But I also want to look at our student who isn't doing as well academically. I want them to leave our doors prepared for their university just as much as the top top of the class. And I, I believe that every one of our students, whether they take a single AP course or don't, they still have the skills that they need to be successful. Um, I, I always tell parents, you know, we are we are not going to turn a student into a Harvard student if they're not a Harvard student. But we're I think we're really effective at getting students where they should be and helping them re really reach their potential and maximizing what they're capable of. Um, I, like that. I think that that's really, that's really key to who we are. 
Um, we believe God uses students. Um, we, I would put it this way. God's economy is different than man's economy. And um, we often Amen. look at this top student. You know, we have a couple of students at Harvard who are fantastic kids. I mean, they are great kids. And I love them and I love to see their success. At the same time, I know that God doesn't always use those students. God sometimes uses that C and D student um, in some amazing ways because they have other skills. And we want to prepare every student, regardless of who they are, for what God has for them in the future. Absolutely. You know, you have children. We have students. I have children. You, you see how different people are and what they love. And you're right about engaging that love of where they fit and where God's called them to that way. Now, you um, related to the students, too, in a moment, I've heard from other Christian leaders in the high schools throughout the country that enrollment has bumped in this time. Are you seeing a, a demand for your enrollment and are you growing and do you want to grow? So, yeah, we are seeing a high demand for enrollment. Um, we dropped down a few years ago um, in the Houston area. Hurricane Harvey hit a, hit the oh, Houston area really hard. And that definitely impacted our enrollment. There are some other factors I think involved as well. Um, but we dropped enrollment some after that, that class just graduated in May. Uh, and that was our smallest mm. class that we've had for a long time. And for, as a high school only recruiting is really important for us each and every year. And, and yes. we keep a class usually for four years and that class grew, but it, it started really small. And so we are, we have been growing. We are, we do continue to experience demand. We are full in some grades, um, but we, we are right about 500. We are built on our campus for about 525. And, uh, you know, how the students fall, it can maybe fudge a little bit here and there, uh, either way, depending. But we, we don't want to be a school of 800 or 1,000. There's a lot of schools that want that. That's not who we are. We believe that that 525, 500 to 525 is really the point where we know kids. Kids have opportunities on our campus. Our, we have enough students to have thriving programs. It's really a sweet spot for us. And, and if we were to get so much bigger, I'm not sure we'd be able to fulfill our mission in the same way. And so we, I think that the board and everyone that has gone before has kind of recognized and master planned the, the campus really to fit that. And I, I think that's something we continually get positive feedback on. Uh, from from parents and prospective students and, and just visitors to our campus um, is something our accreditation uh, team that just visited us last year really highlighted and said, you know, gave it gave us a lot of uh, accolades for uh, in terms of, of kind of sticking with the size that we, we want to be as a community. I like that. And you had an accreditation visit. Interesting. How did that go? Uh, the, the visit went great. It was, um, I called it the eternal process. Uh, it was <laughs> scheduled actually last year during COVID, but then got pushed, pushed off. And it was like the, so we had to redo some work in order to get ready for the visit. So the visit went great, yeah. but it was a really long and very arduous process uh, because of all the delays and just all the, the COVID changes. We had to write a lot of updates and everything. And so it just sort of prolong it. But, you know, it's, it's part of what you do. And I think it was really helpful to us as a school. And I, I appreciate the educators that were willing to come and take time out to visit our campus and be able to give us feedback. Uh, we had some great people come and had, had some great ideas for us. And, and it's always, I, I actually very much believe in the accreditation process. I think that it's yeah. helpful to school improvement. And I really think it helps hold schools accountable, kind of gets you outside your bubble. 
Um, we are accredited by the Independent Schools uh, Association of the Southwest, and that has been a really good organization for us, and they do it, do their accreditation and their school improvement process well. You know, that's very true. I think accreditation is, is true. It's like, a, it's like you're looking in the mirror as a school. Like, who are you? And can you tell us who you are and what you do? It's like that clarity is kindness statement that you made. It's accreditation is about clarity with internally. Do you know who you are? And can you tell us about it? And right. it's not easy to do because being honest with ourselves is not always the easiest thing to do, <laughs> which means the good, the bad, and the ugly, everything in between, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> you're, you're right on the money. I, I love it. I've been a part of accrediting teams. Um, I, I find it really valuable. It, it's a good professional development for me. Um, yeah. And I think when you come at it with the right mentality, it's really a fruitful process. Love it. You know, just a couple more questions. It's so fun. I enjoy this. I could keep going all day because it's really interesting. And I love your perspective on what you're talking about with the school. And, you know, you mentioned the size of the school. And I, I love your dedication to that for the reason that you don't have to grow to be the best and biggest because right, it does change the school itself. It changes everything when you start to get too big. You double the size, you're not going to be the same school. There's just no possible way. Um, with your alumni, uh, obviously you have 25 years. What the first alumni was when early 2000s, your first graduating class. How engaged are they with with Houston Christian? So Houston Christian grew out of Northwest Academy, uh, which was a school that existed prior to it was a K-12 school and and sort of split up. Um, so there's some Northwest Academy, and and it's great. We we've had. Um, parents that now bring their student back to Houston Christian that were Northwest Academy alumni. And so that's been great to see. Uh, I think, you know, so we've sort of tried to plug into that alumni uh, as well. Um, but I think, you know, specifically for the Houston Christian alumni, they're really just in some ways, I, I see it as they're hitting their stride right now. Um, they're getting into their careers. They're really, you know, post-university, they're really uh, establishing themselves and, and hopefully stepping into some leadership positions. Uh, we're in a, we're trying to utilize some social media platforms that connect our alumni. We've just recently, in the last year or so, opened up uh, one that really allows them to have conversations around things that they're uh, they like, uh, form some affinity groups, and it also allows them to connect. Uh, I know many of uh, our folks in our wider Houston Christian community have gotten internships or even jobs. Uh, from the connections in the Houston Christian community. And I think as our community grows, nice. we will see that continue to grow even more. Yeah, that, that's wonderful to hear because you're right. If you, if you have Houston Christian graduates around 2002, 2004, career-wise, you're right. They are starting to hit that different stage of what they can do and what's possible even financially to give back to the school. Um, whether they that's choose right. to or not is a whole different thing, but I know that, you know, that, knowing that people love your school and that they want to give back is awesome. Um, especially as a, a high school, like you mentioned, the recruiting that's so key and so important to be visible. Um, do you uh, scholarships you offer to your current students? Do you have a scholarship program for them to attend? We offer uh, scholarships like athletic. We have a couple that are uh, like endowment based scholarships that um, for technology and different and fine arts and that sort of thing that uh, are, are minimal. Um, but uh, 
what we do offer for financial aid is we, we, we have what we call index tuition. And uh, index tuition oh, okay. takes into account really three different factors. It looks at the uh, annual income of the family. It looks at how many students, how, how big is the family, like how many uh, children do they have, and specifically how many children do they have in tuition-paying schools. That could be college, could be other private schools. And then thirdly, it looks at their assets. And so the com- combination of those three factors allows us to take and put people on an index uh, of our tuition. And our, our goal, you know, going back, I've commented on this earlier, but, you know, God's economy yeah. is different than man's economy. And part of our diversity is we want a socioeconomic diversity here. We are not a, a cheap school in our tuition, and we want to allow students that when they look at the price tag may say, you know what, I can't do that. Like families say, I, I can't be at Houston Christian because of that, but they may have some great things they want to bring to our community and they, they can bring to our community. So the index tuition really enables us to be able to look at the family holistically and to be able to give, give some families the opportunity to be here. And, and we're very intentional to try to, to spread that out. We don't want just super high need. So they're really low on the index. We don't want folks that we, we have five, six different tiers that we use um, that really allow us to put people different places. Um, and we found it to be very effective. We've gotten really good feedback on it. That was something we did about, I think it was about four years ago now. And, and we've really refined that process. And I think it, it's I like that. We've been very systematic and I think very, uh, very consistent in how we've been able to do that. Um, as we refined that process, that was a big, big risk for us when we did that uh, initially. It was sort of one of those things we talked about. We saw some other schools doing it, um, but we felt like we were really stepping out and uh, being being innovative and doing it. And so when we did take that step, and we have found that it it has been good. And we've had to make some adjustments. We didn't do it perfectly, of course, but uh, we've been very happy with how it's brought students in, how it's brought families in and that it has accomplished the goals that we had set forth for it. That, that is unique, you know, as far as that goes and that combination. I really like that. And Houston is one of the biggest cities in the United States, obviously on the top four. So uh, incredibly diverse place, international city, you know, I mean, huge part of the economy in so many ways. So you're right. You're going to draw everything under the sun to Houston itself just drawing from houston and most of your students i would assume are local do you have any international student population or that's not really a focus on that uh we don't have a lot but we do have some international students that has really uh we so we we've run some programs in china i actually went a few years ago prior to covid um and oh, spent yeah. a few weeks in china um teaching leadership with some other colleagues and we've done some things here where we have students come here um and we've We've done that primarily Taiwan and China, mainland China, um, but that that was kind of pre-pandemic. At this point, that sort of has stopped, but that has attracted some students from there um, through those programs and such. Uh, President Bush was involved with with China as an ambassador for a few years, and and so we, you know, there's some there's some inroads to the Bush Center that we have used to teach leadership um, and allow us to to participate in that. And it's also been great because we've given our kids a cross cultural experience through that. Um, but that's a pretty small population for us. Uh, we're, we draw from all over the West side of Houston. And, and as you mentioned, Houston is, I think, categorized as the most diverse city in the U S right now. Um, and, uh, it, it truly is. Everything is, uh, here 
in Houston, um, literally from all over the world. And uh, it, it, it is a neat place for that. That's amazing. Especially not being from Houston yourself, it's like a whole nother world. Um, and it is, I haven't been to Houston. I need, need to spend some time there. I have a lot of friends who live there and family, but I have not been myself. Need to enjoy the flat, like you mentioned earlier. Like we gotta, <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> Uh, maybe after hurricane season or in the winter when it's a little cooler. Yeah, definitely check the hurricane forecast before you come down. <laughs> um, you know, let's, you know, as we wrap things up and just finish up, I know I mentioned earlier. So one of the things I always like to ask is, you know, what are those things that keep you up at night that influence your vision for the next few years? Um, Cause I know there are things for me. I'm like, okay, this is where I see plexus can go and what we can do. And, you know, those areas where I need additional support or, uh, you know, mentor or educational opportunities. I mean, again, I'm just sharing my own, my own thinking and what I think about, but for you, what do you see for yourself in Houston Christian over the next few years? It's a great question. Um, I think uh, we, we have tons of opportunity ahead. I think, you know, I, for me, there's not a lot that keeps me up at night. Um, there's a degree to which uh, I think in today's world with the different challenges, you have to be willing to put things aside and, and, and really let them rest in the hand of God. Um, and and I, I do very much have uh, trust and faith that the Lord's going to work a whole lot of things out. I don't believe worrying about them really solves, solves them a lot. But I, I do think some areas that we're focused on, um, and I'll try to hit a couple different areas here. Uh, one is, you know, there's a lot of articles about teacher turnover. And I think making Houston Christian a place that faculty want to be and really want to invest in, I think is really important for us. And um, I think we have work to do there. And I, I, I really want this to be a place where people would be like, well, if I could get a job at Houston Christian, that would be the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> and I would want to stay there. And so I think that's, that's an area that we really want to um, continue to grow in. I mean, I, I, it's not that I think we have a, uh, we're, we're, we have a big shortcoming there, but that's an area that I would really like. I think like everyone, we want to see Houston Christian really be a great place. I think, um, from an instructional standpoint, uh, you know, I, I can always think of a hundred different ways we can improve instructionally. Um, we've worked hard mm -hmm. to develop our classrooms and I think we continue to do that, it's still getting back to sort of a normal instructional delivery after COVID. But um, we've worked a lot with assessment. We've had a lot of uh, conversations around how do we assess students? How do we provide them feedback? Um, and I think we have more work to do in that area of, of really giving feedback to students and parents and really developing them um, academically. Uh, I think we do a great job. I'm very happy with where we are, but I, I also think there's there's room for us to improve in, in that area. And I think uh, probably the, one of the bigger things uh, that encompasses both of the things that I talked about is a culture piece. Um, culture is yeah. and yeah. it really, uh, we have really been very intentional in talking about how we, how we do athletics and how we do theater and how we do clubs and how we, you know, what is the vibe that people have when they come on campus? What's, what's the tenor? What's the pulse of things at lunch? Um, when we have a chapel, you know, when we have all students together, what, what are we speaking into? And I think for us as a Christian school, we, we ask the question of, of how are we speaking God's design into things? We have a lot of students here that don't necessarily mm -hmm. believe um, 
the Christian faith or not bought into the Christian faith. And, and that's okay. That's who we are. We, we accept students from all different backgrounds, but we also want to be true to our mission and true to our foundational principles and be able to speak to uh, how God designed us to be and be able to speak to that in a way um, that also addresses modern cultural uh, matters and to do so with tact, to do so with diplomacy and to be a place where students can find their identity you mentioned that earlier, and I think that is a huge challenge for our students to actually discover their mm. identity and, and, and develop that. And so much of that, I don't believe that happens all solely in high school. That goes on and they continue developing that into college. But so much of that, we do have a chance to plant seeds and lay a foundation. And that's something that I really want us to do well. So that's something I think we're working on, a really building a cohesive team where all aspects of the school are really rowing in the same direction. And I think we're, we're having a lot of conversations about that and really trying to be on the same page uh, to really move forward and impact our students. And I believe when we do that, we, we also impact our, our families and our, and our parents. And I, I, I continually to hear uh, folks say that like parents will say, um, you know, my kid really wants to be on campus and wants to, mm. wants to be here. And I think this is a home for our students. This is a safe place and we want to continue to foster that. I love to hear that, especially when you get parents saying, my child wants to be there. Yeah, they're, when they're taught, when their kids are telling us parents that they love it, you know, it's a big deal, especially with the teenagers, right? Like they don't often tell us everything. So to hear that um, the investment in teachers and, you know, helping the students become who they're going to be is, is just fantastic. I definitely applaud you for that. It's not easy as a principal. You know, we often, it plays us. we talk about our leaders in education because we talk to so many leaders that principals are like the unsung heroes, we like to call heroes and sheroes of, of education because you know, you're behind the scenes. You're not always out front. And there's so much that goes on. There's so much support and there's so many things that happen to you know, fully support you and your team. And like you said, when it's on your head, it's on your head. So we definitely appreciate everything our principals do. I love our principals and educators and all the schools around here. And I appreciate your time just to share you know, your vision with the school, uh, your vision for the students and teachers, and, and just to get to know you better. It's been a lot of fun. This is, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate you letting me join you for a conversation today. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, Thanks again, Dr. Price. Um, we'll definitely stay in touch and just enjoy the rest of, I guess it's Friday. Again, just enjoy your weekend. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.